Welcome to the Raw and Uncensored Ambitious Podcast. During our time here together, I will be instilling all of the strength, power, and determination you will need to use the very stones thrown at you to build your ultimate empire. We will redefine the word bitch from the derogatory to the acronym being in total control of herself. So let's adjust our crowns and prepare to live life ambitiously. Ah, yeah, here I am, the original HBIC, Katie motherfucking Boyd. And on today's podcast, we have a treat. We have my friend, my business mentorship client, and all-around amazing human, Autumn Bear. Autumn is a classically trained acupuncturist. She trained with Taoist master and 88th generation practitioner, Jeffrey C. Yun. She shows up every day to help her patients create transformations in their lives. She walks side by side with her many patients to give them knowledge and power to enact real change in their lives and to give them ownership over the choices they make and how it affects all aspects of their health. I met Autumn when I went out to my good friend, Dr. Ahmed Anand's Breathiness Workshop, and I just fell in love with her, and I just saw all the good that she was doing in the world, and just oddly enough, we started working together in a business coaching container, and she is doing such incredible work in the acupuncture world, but I think what's really cool, and we will get into it in this podcast, is She has been seeing long COVID syndrome showing up left and right, and that is her mission, is to help educate, empower, and inspire people to advocate for their health and to know that long COVID syndrome is actually a thing. I think that so many people I know that are dealing with odd health challenges right now have this, and this is what she actually specializes in. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this podcast. Autumn is just full of wealth and knowledge of just all things acupuncture and Chinese medicine. But when she gets into the long COVID syndrome stuff, it's just mind blowing. I hope that you guys enjoy this as much as I did. But without further ado, here we are with Autumn Bear. Autumn It is such a pleasure having you here on the Ambitious Podcast. It's been a long time coming, and I'm so freaking grateful that you took time out of your busy-ass life to come here and talk some freaking truth into these girls listening out there. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I think that this is a topic that a lot of people don't understand, a lot of people don't know about. Um... I met you in Utah at the Breathinance workshop with Dr. Ama Anan, who you're very close friends with, and you were the hostess with the mostest putting it all together. It was such a fabulous weekend. I just fell in love with you. Your energy is so on point. And when you told me what you actually did for a living, I was like, oh, she has to come on the Ambitious Podcast because I worked with an acupuncturist for two years over the, like, over the last couple of years I worked with her. And it changed my life. And I just really think that if women are having a hard time, and we have male listeners here too, but if women are having a hard time in different facets of their life, a lot of times they'll go to the doctors and the doctors will just give them a pill and say, shut the fuck up, get out of here. But 
and I and I think that there's a place for that sometimes. But I'm more of a, a kind of like an old hippy dippy, crunchy munchy. I like the holistic stuff first before we go down that path. And I cannot wait for the women to hear all of your knowledge and hopefully work with you because you yeah. can work with people from all over the world, which I think is so cool too. Yes, I do work with people from all over the world. And you're amazing. So let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about like what you actually do. So I don't like butcher the shit out of it because you're the freaking expert. So let's talk about what you do and then like how you chose to get into this career. Yeah, my, well, my first and foremost, my profession is forward facing and, and patient active. So you know, I work with people day in and day out. And and my job really is to come into someone's life when they're really needing and looking for transformation. So whether that's movement from disease to a state of, of health, or they're recovering from surgery, or they're actively looking to jump their life from one level to another, because they just don't, it's not that they have any life-threatening problems. They just don't feel good and they're looking to make that transformation. Um, and I always like to tell people that my job is about longevity. So I really am not only helping people transform and and help their lives change and make difference and, and move forward, but it's really about helping people stay healthy over time. And that that's what I, I think that. that I do the best. I love that. I love that. And how long have you been actually practicing? Uh, 15 years. Wow. And like yes. weird, tell me like who you studied with and like where you went to school and all that. I love, you know, I'm a geek. All the, all the good history stuff. All the yeah. good history stuff. I, so I, I like to take it back a little bit because I do think that my own personal story is, is really what got me into acupuncture in the first place. Um, I, I was always into medicine. So I, I studied, I studied, um, exercise physiology with an emphasis on high altitude, training. And then I did a master's in public health. And I really realized that I didn't want to be a lab rat and I didn't want to be a government servant, excuse me. And I was really struggling to kind of figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And so I started, you know, just looking what, you know, where am I going to go from here? You know, you're in your early twenties trying to figure your life out and all the things. And so I decided to do some traveling And I got quite sick when I was traveling. I was traveling in in Africa and South America. And who knows what kind of stuff was happening at that time. But I came back to the U.S. and I just couldn't I couldn't figure it out. And um, I went to a doctor and it turns out that I had um, a massive gallstone, which was like the size of a golf golf ball was huge. And so I had to I had to have emergency surgery. And I was really perplexed because I really I I was young, I was fit, I was healthy, you know, all the things that people talk about are kind of contraindicated for all all of these, or at least at the time, that's what they were talking about. And um, so into the surgeon, and I was like, you know, what, what would cause something like this to happen for for someone like me? And, and I'll never forget it, because this was literally the pivotal moment in my experience. And he said to me, Oh, it's just bad luck. And I was like, you know, (laughs) I was like, wow. Yeah. So I just, I I felt in that moment that, that, that physician was never going to care as much about how I felt and how I was living and, 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 you know, and I didn't want to feel sick all the time. And I, I thought, well, you know what? I really, if he's not going to value that, then I have to value that. And I have to figure out how to take care of myself. 
And so a good friend of mine right around that same time was like, you should try acupuncture. And this was in the 90s. And and acupuncture wasn't legalized in the United States until 1996. Oh my God, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it's barely been legalized in the US for, you know, a couple of years. This is fucked up. Yeah, right. You can do, you can get anything, do anything. They can just be like, oh, here's a bunch of oxycodone because you hurt your knee. And like, you can't take little tiny needles and put them (laughs) into meridians. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it was it was super, you know, and 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 meanwhile, you know, you have to think about the fact that Chinese medicine has been around or what we call East Asian medicine has been around for well over 5000 years before the written word. Yeah. I mean, it, it it has been passed down from generation to generation um in an oral tradition before it was written down. So yes. so you know this has been going on for such a long time. So I tried it for the first time and I just fell in love with it from the beginning. Wow. And um I had a, a chance to dance professionally around that same time. And so I, I decided to, you know, put that bit on hold, even though I was so like, wow, this is, this is like blowing my mind and I'm so into this. So I danced for 10 years. So I was a patient for 10 years before I decided to go back to school. I love that. Um, I love yeah. that. I love when people actually like do the thing they do the do before they actually become the thing. Cause yeah. I see so many people in the coaching industry and in the health industry, they right. get into something with no background of like being on the other side. Yeah. And I was just thinking in my head when you were talking about your gallbladder, knowing what you know now about your gallbladder in East yeah. Asian medicine, yeah. what, what, what was it, girl? Well, the, the reality was I was undiagnosed celiac. So I had celiac disease and no one knew it. And I wasn't diagnosed until I was Shit. 35. <gasps> yeah. 35. Oh, girl. Yes. So it took, it, t- it just wreaked havoc on my system. And there were so many things, you know, in my digestive system that were just absolutely going haywire. Um, so it, it took another, it took another 10 years to figure it out, you know, which was, wow. yeah, which was really, really wild. Um, and it was in fact, an acupuncturist that I was seeing that was like, you should get tested for celiac. And I was like, I don't have celiac. That's not a thing, you know? And, and sure enough, she was totally right. So Damn. yeah. It was, it was a pretty, it was a wild ride, but I, I had gotten hired as a dancer to work in New York city. And so when I was in New York, you know, I, I kind of end of my twenties, I, I literally woke up one morning and I was like, okay, I, I can't do this forever. Dancers in, most of the time have an expiration date. Yes. Um, and, and I didn't want to teach and I didn't want to run a studio. And I, it, it wasn't the world that I really felt like I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to. And so I was really, you know, kind of contemplating what to do. And I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll pursue a little bit of acupuncture and see if that's even a possibility. And one of my uh, dance students, I was just chatting with her and she's like, oh, you know, there's this great school um, with this guy who turns out to be not just a guy, but the guy. The guy. The <laughs> guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's like, you know, you should check it out. And I went to an open house and it was like, Oh, you know, it was like the skies parted and the, you know, like all the things. And, um, so I ended up studying with him for six years. His name is, uh, Jeffrey Ewan and he's an 88th generation, uh, practitioner and a Taoist priest, which is yeah, pretty incredible. No No big big deal. deal. No big deal. Totally fine. Um, yeah. So, and it was, I think I went in for like an open house. It was like October and I was enrolled by January. Wow. I mean, just a couple months later. And that was it. And that was how amazing. The whole thing. I yeah. love this story. And how mm-hmm. long were you in New York? Cause you actually had a practice, a very successful yeah. practice in New York for how many years? I was in New York. Well, I was in New York for 18 years. And then my, I had my practice for, for 13 in, in New York city. 
And yeah. now you're and now you're living in Utah. I'm in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that transition from hustle and bustle in New York. Now yeah. you moved during the pandemic, right? Is that yeah, we, did. we were talking briefly at the conference yeah. and I was like, wow, she's got big old balls. That's <laughs> yeah. not easy just to pick your whole family no. up and move across the country and be like, hey. Yeah, it's a totally different vibe. A totally, totally different. different vibe. Oh my gosh! Night yeah. and day, night and day, night and day. Well, and and it was it was a huge leap of faith. I'd say. I mean, I you really, I think at some juncture, you know, I've been doing it long enough, and at some juncture, you really have to bet on yourself. You know, like there's an there's an aspect of, especially as an entrepreneur and someone who who runs their own business, you you do find at some avenue that you've been doing something for a long time and you know that you have honed your skills and that you have something great to offer. And then you just have to have to bet on it. You know, you have to stand up and say, okay, I've got this great thing to offer. Somebody out there is going to want it, you know? And, and it it wasn't a move that we made for our whole family. You know, this was a, a, a space where we wanted to be so that our children could live a life that was you know, I, by five, my my daughter had already been punched um, on the subway platform oh by a homeless God. person. Oh. And it was, you know, and it was, it wasn't a, a situation that was, I mean, this was just some of the things that you face when you're in the city, you know, you, you're kind of, you know, back to back with people who are struggling with mental health and yes. who are on the street. And, you know, and that's not to say it's not any commentary about, um, about what that looks like, but there are many, many things that you face in the city. You know, I was already talking to my kids about, you know, what drug addiction was and what homelessness was and what, you know, and the pandemic hit New York city and there were riots happening and there were, you know, I I mean, there were so many things that were happening in the city that, that were really harsh and, and challenging for my three-year-old and my five-year-old to face. And, and, you know, so this was a really big challenge for all of us. And my practice got shut down in the pandemic. You know, my husband was, was online essentially for his work. And we just thought, let's just do something bold and different and take a leap and try to challenge ourselves in the midst of a really challenging time. And, you know, we decided to just take a year of, uh, you know, a sabbatical. And, and so that's what we ended up doing is we, you know, came out West and then we fell in love with it and stayed and, and decided, okay, let's just put our roots down and see what happens. I mean, when I was out there with you, I was like, shit, I want to start looking for property. Cause yeah. I just fell in love with it out there. And yeah. I'm not like, so you guys are like super outdoorsy. You love to ski and all that. I could care less. I'm more like a, a prez ski kind of lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. more like, let's go Operate. get the hot chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. No, you're like, you're like a fancy yeah. outdoor lady. And so that's like a perfect place for you guys to be. And you're like, your kids are already skiing, snowboarding, doing everything. And, and yeah. you're so holistic in your life and mm-hmm. you're so about energy. And I told, I don't have little kids, but I understand like why you would want to bring them to a place where they could really be children, where they right. didn't have to hear about, you know, crack addiction and, you know, rioting yeah. and all this craziness. Yeah. Not well, that they're not going to face that when they're older, they but like, will. God, yeah. just give them yeah. some childhood, man. Like that's it. The kids nowadays, they don't even have childhood, mm-hmm. especially when they're in the city. Yeah. They have to grow up really fast. They do grow up really fast. And, and there are some uh, amazing elements that come with it. And there are some really challenging elements that come with it. And it's kind of the whole package. And it's really the package that you choose for your life. And, and some people don't have a choice, right? Some people have to, that's just what they get. And that's where they're at. And that's, that's where right. they raise their children. And, and, my husband was born and raised in New York city. And that was, 
you know, totally a great avenue for him. And he thought, you know, that that the axis of the globe pretty much revolved around the island of Manhattan. So, I mean, I mean, truly. Totally. I get it. I get it. Well, I think, too, like I was, you know, I I was born and raised right outside of Boston. So we were in the city all the time. And then as an adult, I lived in the city. And you really think like there's nothing else in the world except this city life. Right. And then when the pandemic hit, it kind of made you guys just like so many people that I know is like, what the hell are we doing, man? We're like glued to this stupid laptop. We don't need to go into a a business anymore. You were such a master at what you do that you're like... And I know that you're also a very confident person like I am where we're like, dude, we're the shit. Like we can go anywhere and still be awesome. Right. <laughs> Which is not a lot of people think that way. Right. They, right. They're very much, you know, this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life ever and ever. Amen. And to do what you guys did. And now you're even probably more successful because you probably have a better quality of life now being in Utah with your practice yeah. and your kids and your husband. Yeah. Well, and, and Utah offers something that the city didn't offer. And yes, there is a huge natural element that comes with Utah. You know, we do live in the mountains. We are outside 365 days a year. But part of what's really amazing about Utah and in particular Park City is that what I really wanted for my kids, you know, in New York City, I felt like there are limitations that are placed upon you. Some of them are for safety reasons. Some of them are just how the city functions, you know, and they, and people are like, okay, here's your limit. This is what you are, you, your code, you have to like, you know, go to work this many hours and you have to do these many things. And this is what you have to do in order to get to this school, to get to that school, to like make a big career and so on and so forth. And when you come to someplace like Utah, the limitations are yours you are defined by the limitations you put on yourself. And that's a really different avenue. And maybe you could take that and say that that's true anywhere, but you really live it here. So, you know, when you're on a mountain and you're facing, um, I mean, you're on a mountain, a big one, literally, literally on a mountain and you are, you know, like we have our, our, you know, we started our three-year-old son skiing and you're looking down the this very steep slope of a mountain and, and all you do is psych yourself out and you're like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then you have to learn to overcome that literal fear of death. <laughs> I might well, add, you know, yep. you, it is really, it's a very scary experience. And it's, it's all about learning how to have a skill, how to push yourself, even when you don't want to because you have to. You there's only one way down. That's it. And so yeah. you have to figure it out. You do. You have to figure out how to safely take yourself out of a situation that is really pushing all of your physical and mental boundaries. And I thought that was a really interesting space for my kids to to grow up because I wanted them to understand that, you know, we all experience that feeling of being on that mountain, whether it's figuratively or literally, and you have to figure out how to overcome those fears over and over and over again, so that you can continue to move forward and get yourself down the hill, so to speak. And so, so yeah. And so we just happened to choose a really pretty place to do that, you know, and, and yeah. that was, that was great for me. Um, I was getting really burnt out in New York city. It's a lot. It is a lot. And I, I feel like I was really giving a lot and, yeah. and not getting a lot. So when you were seeing a lot of patients in New York City, you said they were coming in mostly with like mental health. Was it mostly mental health and stress and anxiety, depression and things like that? Or were you 
treating like a plethora of things? Or was there a, more of a concentrated demographic of patients that you were treating in New York versus in Utah? Yeah, my my practice has totally transformed you know, from New York City into Utah. Um, and unexpectedly, I, I might add, I really, you know, one of the things that has been a really neat experience for me is, you know, when I first started my practice, I thought, oh, I'm going to see these people, I'm going to treat these people, and this is how I'm going to do it. And the reality of it is, is that your practice takes on its own life. It, you start it, and then the people who find you, it's it's like this meandering path of people that come in and, and it's never what you expect. And so in the city, I was seeing, yeah, a lot, definitely a lot of big city things, depression, anxiety, you know, eating disorders, addiction, digestive problems, insomnia. That's a big one. You know, um, you know, just, just overall malaise from living this really harsh life, um, over and over and over again. And so, I definitely saw much more, I was much more of an internist um, when I was in New York City, which was great training for when I came to Utah because it transformed completely. Um, and so the things that I see now, uh, I do, I work a lot with head trauma. I work a lot with um, some, something that happens when you have head trauma is, is uh, your autonomic system, which is your non-voluntary system that regulates your circulation, your heart rhythms, you know, your sleep cycles, your digestive system, all those things you don't have a lot of control over. Um, there's this thing called dysautonomia and, and dysautonomia is something that happens when people are recovering from a head trauma. And it's really hard to treat in the Western world because it's a multi-system dysfunction, but this is where I fit in great because we, our whole system is built on multi-system function and dysfunction. So, so I see a lot of that. And then surprisingly, long COVID looks exactly like dysautonomia. So I've taken on a huge long COVID base here in, in Utah, um, which is really, really interesting because it presents really differently for people. Um, and, you know, I still do a lot of, you, you know, autoimmune conditions and digestive disorders, but um, we, ha- I, I think I have a lot more patients where things happen to them. They have you know, there's high speed accidents that happen here. Oh yeah, and, you know, a lot of like hips, knees, backs yep. from massive injuries and long chronic pain and things like that. So right. that's that's how it's transformed. So freaking interesting. When I started mm-hmm. working with an acupuncturist, I actually was going because I had this crazy idea to have a baby. <laughs> like, I mean, it is right a crazy be- idea. <laughs> like right before COVID, like I was like 39, and yep. you know, I was definitely filled like you know sold this bill of goods growing up like you gotta work and you know worry about children and all that stuff later you know become like a boss bitch and become like this successful Mm -hmm. career woman and so right before covid when we didn't even know it was coming it was my 39th birthday and i was like we really should have a baby and my husband's like i mean i would love to have a baby with you and my husband's 14 years older than me and he was just like we're really gonna do this dude like we just got rid of my kid out of the house now we're gonna go have a little baby and i was like I don't know, like maybe I'll just, I don't want to feel like, and I think this is a fear for a lot of women that don't have children is like, what if I get older and then I like regret not having a child, you know, even though I've been a mother to my clients for 25 years, you know, like I have enough kids, but I was like, oh, maybe I'll have this baby. And the gynecologist that I was going to for like 10 years had me on continuous birth control because she's like, you don't even need your period. 
period is just a pain in the ass. You don't even need your period. And I was like, okay, because you know, when you're in twenty, you don't know any different. Yeah. yeah you, you like really think different. the doctor's God and she knows everything. And I mean, why would she tell me something that's crazy? And she says, you know, and as soon as you get off the birth control, you'll get pregnant right away. It's so easy. Just get off the birth control. You let it clean out of your body for a little bit. You're going to get pregnant right away. So I had did what she said and uh, didn't get pregnant right away. And I was doing everything. And plus I'm Portuguese. So, you know, we got like the old wives tale. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, they have like all these like uh, ethnic things that they want you to do. And I'm like, okay, I'm still not getting pregnant. So one of my girlfriends who had gone to acupuncture and she got pregnant was like, hey, got to go to this acupuncturist. She's the best. And I'm like, how can sticking needles in my body get me pregnant? I'm like, this is crazy. And I'm very holistic, but I just was like, really? Out of all the things, acupuncture? And she goes, I did. I got pregnant when I went to this acupuncture. She's like amazing. So I was like, I'll give it a whirl. And I started going to this acupuncturist and it was weird because COVID happened. So then I was like, oh my God, I'm not having a baby delivering with a mask in a hospital. Like all that shit just freaked me out. And I was like, and not having my husband in the room, you know, all the things that everyone that was having babies at that time was thinking. And it was so funny how it taught, she taught me so much about my body that I never even thought was possible. And I got so in sync more than I ever have been in sync with my body in my entire life from working with this acupuncturist. She was also an herbalist. So she would put me on certain herbs at certain times of the month and certain herbs at other times of the month. And my whole life changed. I was sleeping like a baby. My periods were regulating. Um, My skin was amazing. I just, I was just happier. Things didn't stress me out as much. Like it totally changed my life. Now on the flip side, I didn't end up having a child, but I was so grateful for having that experience with this acupuncturist. And that's why you know, I wanted you to come on today because, and we're going to get into it in a second, but there's just so many women out there in my listenership community that they think that the doctors like me are God and everything's good. There's a pill for everything and there's a knife for everything. And acupuncture has proven to me so much that we, especially Western women are so disconnected from our bodies. Like it's scary how disconnected we are. And I also think it's part of like, not to get weird for a second, but it's also part of the patriarchy. Like the toxic masculine in the world actually wants women to be separate from their bodies because then they can't make good decisions for themselves. Right. And then you have someone like you that comes in. that's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to not only help you myself, but I'm also going to empower you to know that, you know, everything that you need inside of yourself. It's already there. That like ancient wisdom of being a, a female, right? Well, it's true. And I think, I think there's, there's an element that what I like about seeing patients is being able to tell people we each have a path, right? There's this, there's this path that we are born into that we follow over the course of our life. Not all of our paths look the same. I think there's a, there's a societal structure that talks about women and how we need to function and have children and, and, and you'll never be, you know, fulfilled unless you have children and so on and so forth. But the truth is, I know many, many women, especially in, in the field that I'm in or in some adjunct field of caretaking for others. And the, the true reality is there's not always enough space in a person's life 
to be able to care for children and to care for others. And in many circumstances, that path that you're on, this fulfillment that you're having in helping your clients and helping other people, you know, in many ways, this is a great fulfillment of your own path. And and, and children, sometimes they happen for great reason and sometimes they don't happen for great reason. And I think there's not a lesser than or greater than in having children. I think we, we all just have different paths and I don't think you get to the end of your life you know, and, and maybe some people do say like, gosh, I wish I had had children. But the reality is, is there's so many great things you are doing with your life and, and the gift that you give to other people. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't look one way. And children, children happen. Sometimes they happen in, in many, in abundance to a lot of people who are like, ah, what do I do? You know, and that, yeah. that in into itself is their path. Right. And so, so I, I always, it's such a tricky subject to talk about. <clears throat> women who feel like they need to have children. But I do, I do, in my clinical experience, what I can say to women, there's never a perfect time. If you're going to do it, do it young. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, go Amen, for it, girls. Sister. Go for it, girls. You know, because the the career stuff works itself out. Um, I was a late mom and um, and it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle no matter when you do it. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to have children later in life. And I'm glad that I did. It worked out great for me. But but I do think that, you know, the body does function fantastically in its 20s. I have to say, oh, like yeah. all systems totally. go mm-hmm. in your 20s. So like if you're if you're thinking you want to have kids, you're like, oh, maybe I'll just have it later. No, do it. Just and then sometimes it. as you get older, you get too you get too smart. Yeah. You're like, you, you know what I mean? Like when you're you younger, and stuff, you're yeah. like, oh, this is going to be so fun. And when you're older, you're like, yeah. I really like sleeping in if I have a couple cocktails. <laughs> yes. And like this kid thing is going to ruin that for me. You know, like you think of all these things and uh, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you because my sister had children really young and she's like, you know, now her, her oldest is going to be 18 and she's like, Oh, it's awesome, man. Like they're almost like they're doing their thing and like, I don't have to do all, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I I totally understand. But you, do you see a lot of women for fertility issues? Yeah. Is that something you see a lot of? I do. I see. I definitely see women. Um, I, I have to say there's there's actually in, in the course of the last 15 years that I've been in practice, I find that the women who are having challenges getting pregnant, it used to be women who are kind of late 30, 30s, early 40s who are trying to get pregnant kind of later in life. And that age range is going down significantly. I mean, I'm seeing women who are having challenges getting pregnant in their 20s. And I think, yeah, it's actually really surprising. Um, And I think there's a lot of environmental factors that are that are coming into play there. Um, I mean, birth control is one of those things that we we talk about, you know, systematically, we're put on birth control earlier and earlier. And it does it does change and challenge your, your endocrine system. And I'm not saying it's, you know, I I'm all about women's health and, and, you know, and, and also family planning and all of those types of things. So I'm not, it's not that I'm opposed to, to any of those things, but you know, you couple going on birth control at the age of 15, right. Cause that's a really common time. I was 12. Right. So women, they were like, oh, her period's bad. Just put her on birth control. Just put her on birth control. And and there's not really, you know, what I like to say to women is it's like if you need birth control for birth control reasons, then you do birth control, right? Like you are you are deciding your fate and how how and when you decide to have children. I'm all about it. But if you're a young woman, you're 12 years old, 13 years old, 15 years old 
hormones are really strong at that time, you're going to have very, a lot of young girls have very strong cycles at that time. You know, this is the time to use acupuncture. That is the time to use holistic medicine, go in for herbs, because you can regulate those cycles and allow them to play out over time so that you're actually getting your your body's rhythm in sync. You know, those endocrine systems, they're kicking into gear, hormones are all over the place, and your body is struggling to try to find that rhythm. It does find it eventually, but it just, you know, it's just like any new thing. You take on something new. If if anybody's ever tried snowboarding ever, right? You fall on your face. Yes. 90% of the, the time. I ended up in the lodge. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> If your if your periods could end up in the lodge, you know what I mean? Like absolutely. I mean, <laughs> so so in a lot of ways, it's like you know, there. This is this is when what I would like to call complementary medicine. This is when complementary medicine comes in to play because you know you look at adding hormones to the body. And then we have all sorts of environmental toxins. We have incredibly strong schedules. You know, you look at the average person and the average teenager, average young woman going through life. I mean, they've got, you know, school and they've got sports and they've got all the, you know, I mean, they've got like four different things, you know, four nights of the week. It's a, it's really hard. And a lot of people don't sleep, right? So the rhythms of our body are really, really irregular. And then we're kind of like, well, why is my body irregular? You know? And, and so we have all these, these external factors that we have to start to look at as a holistic piece and say, okay, where can I shift some of these things? Some of them you don't have a lot of control over, but a lot of them you do. And so we want to look at those things and start to say, okay, if you're having a heavy cycle, it's usually because there might be an imbalance there. And how can we look at that imbalance right. before we jump into saying, oh, let's just put you on constant birth control so you don't have to worry about it. Right. right? Like, what are you eating? What are you washing right. yourself with? Like, yes. I think of the shit that I used to eat when I had just got my period. I was like right. living on blue box macaroni and cheese, <laughs> chicken nuggets, <laughs> hot dogs, spaghettios. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. I ate like an eight. Eight, like a little, well, no one should yeah. be like that, but right. I didn't, no one knew any better. And like, right. my mother wasn't like, let's look at her food. My mother was like, right. oh, the doctors are God, whatever right. the doctor. And, and I don't fault her and I don't fault any woman in the world for thinking like that because that's how yeah. we were kind of indoctrinated to think like, right. don't think for yourselves. The doctors know better. Shut your mouth and just take the pill and listen to the doctor instead right. of looking well, at like what you do, like in the holistic way. And also what I think is interesting too, because I was doing a little research before I got on with you. I didn't want to sound like such a dingling, but how <laughs> in, you know, in that, uh, in like just Chinese medicine and the yin and the yang and like how we are supposed to live at certain times of the year, like we're supposed to follow the flux of nature. And now there's no flux of nature. It's like overhead lighting 24 seven. You're on your screens until you you literally pass out. Like you're TikToking in bed, like, oh my God, you know, like sometimes (laughs) I'll walk around and I'll just sing like freaking TikTok songs. I'm like, whoa, I have been indoctrinated, you know, or like, you know, different times of the years they were saying like, um, you know, in the fall, you see more people starting to get like these upper respiratory colds. Like, why is that? Like, what are we all doing around these times of year that these things are happening or what's happening in the summertime? And like, what are we eating at certain times of the year? Are we eating cold foods and warm foods and all these different things? But we in a Western society, unless you're from Asia and you have like a lineage of this, no one knows what the hell they're doing. Right. Well, and I, I call it the inconvenience of being human. So 
I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, because I would I would get these patients that would come in, you know, and they're like, I can't sleep. My digestion's crap. You know, like they're they're just like like so they feel so uncomfortable all of the time. And I was like, <sighs> well, how many cups of coffee are you having a day? And they were like, I don't know, like six. And you're like, yeah, okay. So let's With talk no about food. that. Yeah. With no food. <laughs> and I was Straight like, up. okay, where's your food coming from? Well, sometimes I'll go down to the vending machine or the bodega downstairs or whatever, you know, when I was in New York and I was like, okay, so let's talk about nutrition. Right. So, you know, there, there are, there are tried and true rhythms of our human system that that still need to be honored. You know, we live in this modern society where you're right. We we are inconvenienced by the idea of having to sleep 8 to 10 hours a night. We are inconvenienced by the idea of having a menstrual cycle. We are inconvenienced by the idea of having to eat food that actually supports our cellular structure. Like there's there's so many things that we want to be able to think that we can live in this particular way and it will have no consequences. But, you know, there's no such thing as free lunch. It it doesn't exist. So right? True. And so we yeah, I mean that's just how it is. So so, you know, that's that's the space that we have to fill in and and discuss. You know, I get so many People that, you know, they have migraines and, and, you know, we, I treat a lot of migraines. Migraines is a big, big thing for people. And, you know, and I will often, especially up at altitude, I will say like, well, are you having migraines when we have storm systems? And they're like, what, you know, is that a thing? And you're like, yeah, it's a thing. There's a pressure change that happens. We are, we are part of our environment. We are still animals. I know like, People don't really like to think about it, but we are still animals and we are still at the mercy of these natural phenomenon that happen within our environment. And then we are animals with free will. So we get to eat Cheetos. But the reality of it is, is that those Cheetos, those, those suckers are not doing anybody any favors. You know what I mean? No, they taste good in your mouth, but they don't do anything good for the body. (laughs) No, 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 no. Yeah. And when you have people come in that are like inconvenienced by life, okay. Right. So they're drinking alcohol all the time to like numb out at night. They're yeah. binge eating because they're stressed. Right. So they're fucking inflamed. Right. They're like, absolutely. They're not sleeping. They're, they have a job that's just sucking the soul, the soul out of them. Right. They have right. a lot of drama in their life. They're doing all of the things. They're not moving their body. Right. They're not exercising. They're not doing any of the things that we're supposed to do. Right. What would be like your first course of action with these people? Like, do you have like a, oh, this is a life inconvenience person. I'm going to take them from this to this. Because I'm sure you have a, a lot of amazing success stories with those type of people. Well, I, you know, I, I think my first question to everybody is always, you know, what's, what's the most important thing for you? You know, what is, what's our focus? And a lot of times people will want to say, well, you know, I want to sleep better and my digestion is off and, and I have very painful periods. And what I, it's always surprising to me is how many times we start to dig into someone's history and, and I'll say to them, like, how's your digestion? Oh, it's fine. Okay. Well, do you have bowel movement every day? Oh no. It's like every three once a, days. Once a week. Yeah. And you're like, what? Like, yeah. you know, and you're like, that's not normal. And like and auto then, intoxication anyway. Right. And people are like, that's not normal. There's a lot of conversations around how our bodies function and what they're supposed to look like. Most people are, are are so disconnected because we're not taught from early what it's supposed to look like and 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 so on and so forth. And so I feel like a lot of w- what I do is really talking to people about 
what their goal is in life, how we can make change. Because when someone comes in and doesn't feel good, it's my job to help educate them to say, we can't elicit change without making adjustments in our lifestyle, right? You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting that some other result is going to happen. And, and making change in our lives often makes change in the greater aspect of our lives as well, right? I mean, you're a perfect example of that. You went in and you were like, I just want to get pregnant, you know? And and here's this, this person who took you from being, you know, from living this one lifestyle and completely changed how you function, even though the outcome of that, of that experience wasn't exactly what you thought you wanted in the beginning. And maybe it, it's still what you want and didn't get, but in, in the essence of that transformation over time, it changed your perspective. It changed how you functioned. It changed your day-to-day existence. And it, it changed your perspective on, on how you wanted your life to, to look like. And I think that transformation and that, um, that ability to look internally and make change and elicit change based on the things that we get to do, we don't always get to affect everything. But we get to affect so many things and and it changes your perspective. And I think many people that I see, you know, ultimately when they make change, it's a re- it's really hard for people to make change. Oh, yes. Really? You know, really I'm in hard. a very similar business of trying yes. to help people change. <laughs> yeah. So, you I know. I get it, girl. When, yeah. When I, and I feel like I'm always a bearer of bad news. Like I'll say to people, so tell me about your coffee intake. And they're like, I'm not giving up coffee. And you're like. But you're not sleeping. So what are we going to do? Yeah, you're you drinking know? coffee before you go to bed. And then you wonder why you're crawling the walls all night. Yeah. Hello. But even there's some people who are like, but I only have three cups in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? We metabolize caffeine differently. And you might be one of those people that's not metabolizing it well. Mm-hmm. We get into the idea, you know, coffee as a, you know, the bean of coffee is actually an herb. And that bean creates a lot of heat for people. Heat rises. And keeps the eyelids open. Bing, yes. bing, right. So, so we have to think about, okay, it's not about whether or not you're drinking caffeine or how much caffeine, how are you responding to caffeine? How is your body responding to, you know, three cups in the morning and two cups in the afternoon? And why are you so tired in the afternoon? Probably because you're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's like this like perpetual cycle. And so yes. having, helping people change, you know, some people are, are willing to, are ready to make change not everybody is. And, you know, I feel like my job is really just to meet people where they are and hopefully get them some sort of transformation and allow them to find a different path that gives them better peace, you know, more tranquility. And and maybe it's a, a, a somebody to just root for them and say, listen, you got this. Yeah. If you want to change your job, if your job is the center of where the problem lies, you can change it. Sometimes people yes. just need the per- permission to just say like, go 100%. for it. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because I think a lot of people don't have very supportive people in their lives. Like I, I work with hundreds and hundreds of clients every month and I'll ask them like, who's your biggest support system? Who's your cheerleader? Who's that validator for you? Who just sees you? And they don't, people will look at me like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What do you mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, your husband doesn't do that. You don't have a friend that does that. And they don't. Right. And so right. sometimes they need people like us to be like, dude, you don't have to keep doing this. Like no one's mm-hmm. holding a gun to your head saying that you have to work at this soul sucking job right. or, or drink 10 cups of coffee a day and wonder why you're not sleeping. I mean, for me, like, this is funny. 
the, I didn't even put this two and two together. I was, um, I would sleep like eight hours because I'm like, I know how important sleep is, but I would wake up like every couple hours to pee. And, and so I would be like, okay, I'm not drinking any water or having anything to drink after such and such a time. And I would still pee and I would go pee and nothing would like, it would be like a little trickle, like nothing. Yeah. But I, I felt like I had to pee so bad. And then, and then I would get up and I'd pee. Then I'd start thinking about my clients and thinking about something I hadn't done that I said I was going to do and thinking about emails and all this stuff. And my acupuncturist was like, what time of night do you wake up a lot? That's right. And I, yeah. And I told her and she's like, well, that's when the liver is like cleaning itself or something. I'm probably right. talking shit. Am I talking shit right now? Am I no, no, that's point? right. That's that's true. That Yeah. No, the liver is active at a, at a two hour mark in the, in the middle of the night. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. that's when I was getting up to yeah. do all this devil devilment. And she was like, okay, we're going to give you herbs for this. I'm going to put, and she would tell me, which I love. Um, she would tell me like, okay, I'm putting this in here. This is the meridian. This is why I'm putting it in this part of your hand or this part of your foot or whatever, or in your ear, you know? And I loved it because it just, I'm a nerd and I like information. Like, I don't want you just to put needles in me. I want to understand. And and I'm sure probably not all your clients are like that, but I'm that type of person. Like, I want to understand like why you're doing what you're doing. And she would always say, I love working on you because you actually want to learn. I never wanted to become an acupuncturist, but I just wanted to understand like why, or even like the herbs that she would give me, like, why would you give me this herb on days 21 to 28 of my cycle? You know? And she was like, oh, well this herb does this and this herb does that. And I was, I just felt empowered because I believe that knowledge is potential power. I don't think it is power. I think it's potential power. It's like, what do you do with the knowledge that actually turns it powerful? And so I always wanted to learn like why. And now, or even just like one of my ovaries um, has a period like 24 days and the other one has a period like 28 days. So like one month I'll have like a really short cycle and one month I'll have like a really long cycle. And she's like, well, you know, usually, you know, one ovary right. does this and one over. And I was like, why did no one teach me this in school? <laughs> like I was angry kind of in a way. Cause I was like, all I remember in sex ed is like that horrible seventies porn star Bush pushing out this baby screaming bloody murder because they didn't want you to have sex. They didn't want you to have a baby. So they wanted to like scare the shit out of you. That's all I remember. And like how to put a freaking yeah. condom on a banana, but no one taught us about our <laughs> fucking bodies. And now it's like people like yeah. you are the, are the, you're the wisdom keepers really, because you're the ones that are stepping in and being like, no, we have to educate ourselves, especially as women, because you know, we saw right. what we saw in, you know, eighth grade and, that wasn't yeah. really sexual education. <laughs> well, there's, I, I think a lot of us don't understand. And, you know, I, I think it's important to say doctors, I, I know a lot of physicians and, and the physicians I do know, you know, it's not that, that there are bad, I mean, there are bad physicians, there's bad acupuncturists, there's, you know, I mean, you're going to find a big variance in, in any sort of uh, physician that you see. And, and I always say to people, you really have to find the right fit. You have to find the person who hears you, who listens to you. Um, it's not going to be everybody. Everybody's specialty is very different, but, but you have to almost audition your physicians, whether it's an acupuncturist or a doctor and, and find the one that works great for you. I love you right? for this right now. Like, I love you so much. I love you already, but I love you even more right now <laughs> Yeah, because we get these primary care physicians, let's just say for sake of conversation, they right. just throw you in with mm-hmm. any Tom, Dick and Harry that has an opening that day. Right. And then you think, because I don't know about you, but I'm a natural born people pleaser. Right. I don't want to upset the doctor right. that I don't like by saying right. I don't like the doctor. 
Right. When this yes. person is not a fucking good fit. Like yes. when I was going through all of my fertility stuff, my uh, gynecologist is like, well, maybe we like after not getting pregnant for like a year, well, maybe we should do an internal ultrasound. I'm like, cool. I know. Right. And then I found out that I had fibroids. So then we started working with the acupuncture on fibroids and that was like right. amazing. And then like a year later, I remember going back to my gynecologist and she said to me, you know, Katie, I don't know, man, like you're just not, I don't know, this isn't working out and you're in a lot of pain with your periods. Like, I think we should just do a full hysterectomy. And that's when I was what? like, fuck this shit. I'm out. <sighs> and I called my mom who's in the medical field. And she's like, F this, we're getting you the best frigging gynecologist it, that like, you know, in the city. And I found this gynecologist and she was the head of obstetrics and gynecology at uh, Beth Israel hospital, which is a world renowned hospital. And she was like this sassy Puerto Rican lady. She had been um, a doctor there for like 40 something years. And she looked at me and this is literally what she said to me. She goes, girl, these fibroids ain't shit. And I was like, I love you. I, and I just fell in love with her. Right. And I was like, you can do whatever the hell you want to me. She made me feel so confident in myself because when someone's telling you all the time that you're right. broken, you're broken, you're broken, you're broken. I'm a huge believer in energy and I am a huge believer in like what we think and what we say and what we do creates our reality. So if you keep, I don't care if you're Tony fucking Robbins yeah. or the Dalai Lama, you keep hearing that you're broken. Yeah. By someone in the medical field that's a professional, your brain starts to think that, right? right? And so when I started working with this other doctor, I felt like the world just opened up to me and I felt so empowered and so motivated. And like, it was really strange to say this, but I feel like so many of my symptoms like almost dissipated within like a couple yeah. of weeks working with her because I, I felt like a, a confident woman again. Yeah. Instead of being well, told like, let's just rip yeah. your organs out of your body no. and call it a day. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think what's really important about finding any practitioner, whether it's your gynecologist, your primary care, your acupuncturist, whoever it is that you want to see, it's really okay to not have a good fit. And it's really okay to interview and try several doctors before you find the person that's right for you. I know that I am not the right fit for everybody. I, I fully recognize that. And I'm really okay if someone comes in, they have a treatment with me and they're like, you know, I think you're great as a person. I just am not sure that your style is is right for me. And and that's that's what they should be doing. You know, I get a lot of people, um, I think this is the biggest difference between me and and the average medical community when someone walks into a doctor's office, everybody believes whatever it is that they have to say until they're proven otherwise. Everybody who comes into my office doubts my ability until I prove otherwise. That's just, that's just the nature of the beast. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and so I feel like I'm constantly having to prove the validity of the medicine that I practice. But I also feel like that's a really good thing. I love it when someone comes in and they're like, you know what? My wife told me I had to come. I'm really not into this business, but I'm it's a bunch here. of hocus pocus. It's a bunch of voodoo. And I'm just like, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna do it. Cause otherwise my wife is going to be mad if I don't do it. Right. Like, and like, and I, and I'm okay with that. I'm really, I love the, I love someone who questions what it is that I do, but I feel like everybody needs to take that to all the physicians that they encounter, you know, and it's not that you want to, question their authority. Those people studied many, many years to learn so many things. The doctors that I know, they really want 
good things for their patients. They want their patients to be well. They want their patients to succeed. The challenge of it is systematically, the medical system is based on pharmaceuticals. They they don't get trained in nutrition. They don't get trained in spiritual medicine. They don't get trained in, in people's emotions, right? You go into the doctor and you're like, you have, you know, you've seen 75 people. You are And everybody keeps saying your lab work looks fine. Your lab work looks fine. It's totally in your head. You know, I told you before I work with dysautonomia, dysautonomia, you know, you, a lot of these patients, it takes them seven years to get an accurate diagnosis, seven years because of the fact that they go in and they're having, you know, heart palpitations and the doctors are like, you need to see a cardiologist. They go to the cardiologist and the cardiologist is like- They just shuffle them around to specialists. They just keep bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. And then no one talks to each other. And this person, by the time they they keep going through the circuit and someone's like, well, maybe you should try anti-anxiety meds. Mm -hmm. Well, of course someone is going to be upset by that point because they don't feel good. No one's giving them an answer and everybody keeps telling them that it's it's in your head. You're totally gaslit and you must feel crazy by the time you actually finally get the diagnosis, if you're even lucky enough to get the diagnosis. If you're lucky enough. So all that to say, all the the reality of it is, is that you you just want to find your physician, whoever it is, who who cares enough about what's going on for you to be thorough. You just want your person to know, to, to hear what you're saying, to do the tests and be thorough. And you want that person who's really okay saying, I'm not really sure what this is. Your labs are okay. I see that you're not feeling well. I just don't know. And I'm not entirely sure. And hope of all hopes. And I'm lucky enough to have a lot of physicians that refer to me when they have those in-between spaces where they're like, I know you don't feel well. I don't think I have what it what you need. But I do know that there's this other practitioner in town that might be able to help you. Why don't you give this a try? Or maybe there's a nutritionist or maybe there's an herbalist, right? You just hope of all hopes that the physicians that you see also have a good understanding of spaces in between that can give you good referrals. You want someone who gives you good referrals. That's, you know, I always feel like you want to be heard. You want the person to be okay saying, I'm not really sure what's going on here. Let's try to find something or find someone to help you and then just be thorough to have follow through. That's those are, those are great things in a physician, whoever they are, right? They're not all bad. There's a lot of great ones out there. You just, you just have to find them and be diligent and, you know, just make sure you don't get discouraged if the first one doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, so I'm a Reiki, I'm a Reiki master and I am a multidimensional healer. That's something that I've done for a really long time. And I am a huge proponent of believing that we store so much trauma and so many emotions in different parts of our body. And so when you work on someone, do you take that into consideration? Like if they're saying like, oh, I have this pain in here, or I keep getting like respiratory problems over and over and over again. Like, for example, like lungs hold grief. Right. Right. Like things like that. So I think it's, and I think it's also I was talking about this uh, with a friend of mine during COVID and I was like, don't you think it's really crazy how the whole world right now as a collective is the saddest, most disconnected it's ever been in so many ways. And now all of a sudden you throw in this like respiratory, you know, pandemic situation. And it almost like shows that like we collectively, because it's the lungs are going through this like grief collectively, like every person in the world, right? Do you, do you talk a lot about this type of stuff with your patients? I do talk a lot about... If they're open you, to those types of things. Because I'm sure yeah. you have patients that are more like 
open to those types of conversations and others, right? You know, I mean, I feel like I have an incredible science background, but the reality of it is, is that the the system of East Asian medicine is designed to look at the holistic person. And, and that includes, right, your physiological problems may be physiological in nature. Maybe you had an accident and that's part of it. But we also look at the emotional and the spiritual plane because our system of medicine is designed to treat all of those together. And we look at someone's malady and we try to figure out, is this internal or is this external? If it's internal, are we on the emotional plane or on the spiritual plane? And then we treat it from there. We actually treat the emotional plane. We treat the spiritual plane. And so those discussions, you know, I I gave up a long time ago worrying about what people thought about me as a practitioner, because I already understand that, you know, people are walking in, looking at me thinking, okay, this woman already is on the woo-woo side of things, right? Yeah. Like she's already on this, Little on do this they know. alternative, you know, yeah. whatever. But it's, it's not alternative because it's, it's, you're not, you're not on the fringe of something, you know, I'm very much present with, with where someone is and, and what's going on for them. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, I get these kind of feelings that come over me when I'm, when I'm really talking to someone about their physiology and what's going wrong for them and where they feel like they're stuck. Right. And a lot of times I will say to them, listen, you know, I know you have hip pain. And then I, and then I will say, listen, this, I'm just going to throw this out there. You don't have to, you don't have to answer it, but you know, the particular place you're having hip pain, a lot of it is the axis of movement. And if you're stuck and you're having a hard time moving forward, what else are you stuck and having a hard time moving forward in? And a lot of those people will be like, no way, you know, like, so it's, it's not so out of left field, right? It, it just takes a little bit of time for people to get used to having those conversations holistically where we're talking about the emotions, how they feel spiritually, um, you know, and, and, and talking about spirituality is so taboo in medicine, right? Like you will never, ever go into a doctor's office and they are going to be, and they're going to say to you, well, how are you feeling spiritually? How are you feeling emotionally? How are you, you know, like you, like you just, it's just like, okay, you've got knee pain. You should go to this guy. Cause he's the knee specialist yes. and he should like go in and scope the things and blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, um, and it, it just takes practice for my patients to come in and be open to having those conversations. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, I don't treat it as taboo. And I feel like when people understand that, that there's openness to that conversation, more people are willing to have that conversation, but you get a feeling, right? Like I, I innately know when I have someone who comes in, maybe the first visit isn't the visit they want to talk about why they're feeling stuck in their job and moving forward. Maybe it's like you allow for that relationship to evolve over time. And that's where acupuncture is really fun because I get to spend so much time with my patients. I get, they get to a chance to trust me and understand that I have their best interests in mind. They also get a chance to feel that they can be open about how they feel. And that's the, the, the beauty of it is that they really get a chance to dive in from all aspects and realize that I don't think they're crazy for talking about their emotions and their spirituality. And then therefore I get to say, here's where I'm at. Like we have, we have treatments in Chinese medicine, especially, so I'm, I'm considered a classical practitioner. Um, So a lot of the treatments that I do have really deep roots in history. And there are actual ghost treatments 
in for possession in in Chinese Ooh, medicine. This is getting good. Yeah, Come on, yeah. Autumn, bring it on, girl. <laughs> so you know, like I, there are moments in time when I look at someone and I'm like, you know what? We are going to do the first part of the trilogy for possession because oh. this person has this hold on the internal plane that. It's it's hard to describe, and it, it sounds so. Oh, I, I love it. I am diving I in so like way out there. But oh, the girls are gonna love you know. this. <laughs> they love this kind of shit. They love it. The the yeah. crazier the better, man. I love but it. But it's like you know, just all that to say that that the foundation of of the medicine that I practice, there are treatments. There's an entire system called low treatments that are all about how we hold emotions in the body. So all of those. Uh, varicose veins that we have, yeah. those are, those are emotions that are stored that didn't have the option. And so your body holds on to them. And that is, they create a vessel to hold it. Whoa. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> no, sir. This is cool. Yeah, Keep going. Keep going. Tell me more. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, these entire systems of, of that, that are built into our medicine have systems designed just for the emotions, just for the spirit, just for, and then there's like, you know, you, like you've had a ski accident and you, you broke your leg and now you're repairing it. Right. Like that's, that's a pretty physical, um, a pretty physical thing. And you say, yeah, okay, maybe we, I don't need to go into like, do you think it's possession? You know, like there's no, you know, like we, you just have to know how to like, you know, kind of dive in at the right moment and Mm -hmm. and what fits that person. Right. You know, Dude, I've seen possessed people before. Yeah. Just like out walking around. Like, you yeah. know, you can see like in their eyes, yeah. the way that they walk, the way that they carry themselves, that like something yeah. else is almost like puppeting their mm-hmm. their physical body. Yeah. So I Usually, believe in all that shit. It comes shit. from trauma. A lot of time it comes from trauma. So, you know, when you're, when you look at someone who's been incredibly traumatized, you have to at least honor the idea that, um, that trauma can go deep, deep rooted into their DNA and can, can change, you know, there's this entire study in, in science called epigenomics and it's oh, about so how our, it. yeah, I'm so into it, how your environment can change your d- genetic coding. Right. Oh. So you have to be open to the idea that, you know, we are part of our greater environment and our greater environment influences very much who we become. Right. right? And so all, and whether that is spiritual you know, and whether that affects our emotions, right. You know, I look at, I look at joint pain and, you know, joint pain, there's a, there's a system of, of uh, practice called the divergence and the divergence are really about the articulations, the hips, the knees, the ankles, the shoulders, right. All of the, the facets in our body that move. And in many circumstances, when we have, uh, whether it's longstanding trauma or we have, um, you know, big events that happen in our body that that ultimately threaten our well-being, our bodies are incredibly smart and they take that. And instead of it threatening our internal organs, it will divert any and all of that pathology and move it into the articulations and then hold it. It'll just hold it there. And so, you know, when someone comes in with knee pain, I'm going to look at that knee pain and be like, okay, what are we looking at here? Right. And so I have to fit. That's my job, right, is to figure out did this knee pain come from emotional trauma or did this knee pain come from physical trauma? But but either way, when we start to release that trauma, are you ready to deal with it? Mm. Right. And so, so those, all of those things have to come into play. It's, it's, you know, or or people that have like um, a lot of doctors now are just like doling out like these fibromyalgia 
things right. or like mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis and all these different things. And right. it's like every person I've ever, I personally have ever worked with in a healing setting, yeah. they have like all of these hangups. Yeah. And it's like when they start to release all of this junk that they've mm-hmm. been storing and like, don't even get into like epigenetics, like what you've been, what's been passed down from generation to generation right. to generation on right. a cellular DNA level. Like don't even, people's yeah. heads will fucking explode off their <laughs> bodies, you know? But I, but yeah. I see this just like you and I'm just, and then you see them get better and better and better. And they're like, oh my God, I can, yeah. I couldn't walk up these stairs. Now I can walk like, like I never had a problem. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. dude, because yeah. you're dealing with your shit. That, yeah. you did, that you've been stuffing down for yeah. so long. You well, know? And it really, and it depends a lot on when the trauma happened for someone. You know, I have people who have trauma that happened to them in their early childhood when they didn't really have a voice and they didn't have the words to articulate what was going on for them. And so their body just holds on to it. And we, we call that, you know, we es- essentially say that they're holding it in latency. Mm-hmm. And so that latency can only last for so long. So as someone gets older and they are using their resources in other places, that latency can't keep, you, can, you don't have, you're, you have finite resources, right? And so eventually those things start to pop back out. And so then you start to look at, you know, um, when depending on when someone's trauma may or may not have happened, if someone has something in early childhood trauma and they were holding and holding and holding, they finally get to a point where their body can no longer hold it into latency. Then, then you have to look at, okay, how do I treat that person and start that healing process? You know, we, we look at how do we heal that child and where they were in that space and time and then help them to move forward. Right. And so, and you want to do that without re-traumatizing someone. That's super important, right? When when a child goes through some kind of trauma, do you see certain things when you're working with them as adults, like say someone went through a trauma with like, you know, they lived in a really chaotic household and one of their parents was like super abusive and the other one was like an alcoholic or an addict or something. And the the house was always chaotic. Do you see certain things as they get older when you're working with them as adults that you're like, Oh, this kid's been through some shit and this is how we're going to fix it. Like, do you see that kind of stuff? Like a certain sickness, illness, disease, malady manifestation. Do you see certain things that are kind of similar? That's a really, really good question. I think the challenge of that is not everybody holds trauma in the same way. Mm. Um, But, you know, I do see, I do think that there's an aspect of chronic pain. And I think that chronic inflammation, um, definitely you want to dive in a little bit with that. Because when you have someone who's been holding on to something for so long. There's no, I mean, you, you really have to say like, well, what was, what was happening when this started? Like where, where did this start for you? And, and, you know, was there a traumatic event that happened in and around that time? But, you know, I see, I see all kinds of things, you know, um, we have this, uh, this channel called, called Diamine, which is the belt channel. It goes all the way around the middle. A lot of times when people are younger and they don't have a voice for what's happening to them. A lot of times they'll hold it in their middle. So a lot of people who have that like midsection weight gain, um, a lot of times you, when people are like, I just, I, I feel like I just, there's something here and I just can't, it's amazing how people have feelings and they don't quite know how to articulate those feelings, but they're like, you know, they have problems in a certain area that always seem to reside around the same thing over wow. and over. And so a lot of times, you know, low back pain and, you know, groin pain, and they've got like this, like they've got heavy cycles and there's mm-hmm. like, it's just like all in that one 
midsection yes. and you're yes. like, huh, wonder what's going on in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then you kind of start to peel that back and figure out, you know, where so that might be coming from. Freaking interesting, man. Mm-hmm. Cause I see, like, I, I have so many clients that like, you know, they'll have say type two diabetes for our sake of conversation. And, right. you know, I will talk about all the things that they're going through and like, when you started feeling this way, like what was happening? And they're, and they always will say to me, like, just life just became so dull. There was like, no, one woman actually said there was just like no sweetness in life anymore. Like, yeah. and I was like, fuck, hello. Yeah. And you're trying to get the sweetness from eating all the shit, which is right. a, g- giving you type two diabetes. And then right. it's almost like when they start to realize like, holy shit, this is why I'm sick. It's like Mm -hmm. they can start physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, spiritually releasing all these things. And then all of a sudden, like, they don't really have to do much to make it go away. Yeah. Yeah. So strange. Yeah. It is pretty wild. Yeah, it is. It's really wild. Yeah, I know. I do, too. It's it's, Well, that's why you're so fucking great at what you do, because (laughs) you actually love what you do and you want to help people, which I think is so important. I think so many people just get into service provider kind of careers because they're like, oh, it's going to make me a lot of money and I can make my own schedule. They think in like a very three-dimensional way where people like us are like, man, this is so interesting to me. And I'm just like jazzed about learning more and more and more. And I know that I can help people if they actually do what I say. Because that's the thing too. They actually have to do what you say. (laughs) Because you know, you're doing what you're doing, but then they, you probably give them like some kind of I don't want to call it a prescription or whatever. Maybe you have a better word for it, but like, okay, I just did this for you, but then you have to go home and you have to do eat this way, you know, drink your water, sleep, take your herbs, blah, 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 blah. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a whole kind of, uh, takes a village to raise the child. Yeah. It's teamwork. Yeah. I, you know, I always like to say to people like, you know, I'm, I'm here to help give you that information that is power, right? You, no matter how long that person stays with me, the information that they get to have from our time together, they will take with them forever, right? And, and my job is to help peel back a lot of these layers and to help them figure out where things are for them. But the reality of it is, and I always say this to people, you can't expect to keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So if I say, you know, like, I think you need to cut back on dairy for the next month or two months, even though that person is like a full on like cheese wheel addict, you know, yeah. like the, the person is like, what? You want me to get rid of my cheese? You know, like it's it's really like mind blowing in the beginning. Then people are like, okay, I'm going to try. And I always say to people, you know, knowledge is power. We're going to try it. That's all we're doing. We're just going to gather information. It's like a science project. That's right. We're going to take it out, see how you feel, and then put it back in and see how you feel, right? And we're going to do those things, you know, together. And and a lot of people think it's going to be the hardest thing they ever did. And then they do it and they're like, I don't even really miss cheese, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, and I don't take cheese out for everybody. I'm right. not, you know, I'm not sadistic in that way, but it's like, <laughs> but, but dairy does affect you. Like I, yeah. my sister's little boy um, had a respiratory infection and he actually mm-hmm. was hospitalized. He ended yeah. up getting RSV. Horrible, horrible. Yeah. Right. So I'm talking to my sister and she's like, yeah. And they gave him ice cream. And I was like, bro, no. what? I was like, what? Yeah. what? Right. Like, yeah, that's all he would eat. And I'm like, dude, do you know how much mucus, like, even if you don't have right. a dairy allergy, like, fuck. No, just and my, in that my moment. My sister's yeah. like, what? Why would they do that? Or it's just like, you know, I've had friends that have battled cancer and gone through chemo and radiation. Right. And then they give them fucking orange juice and chocolate chip cookies after. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing, man? Yes. 
Why yes. are we doing this to these people? Yeah. Well, and I, I just like to educate people in, in understanding, you know, I always say to people, you mentioned in the very beginning, you're like, you know, in the fall, people start to get sick. Well, here's what happens in the fall. Tell me. Cause I already know. Well, yeah. Tell, the tell holidays, me. the holidays happen and everybody has yes. sugar. There's a lot of sugar that happens in the holidays. Yeah. So sugar, one teaspoon of sugar weighs about four grams. So when you're looking at your labels and mm-hmm. you look at the grams of sugar, four grams is a teaspoon of sugar will tank your immune system for four hours. Fuck. Right. So think about that. Think about what happens. Why do we all get sick in the middle of winter? I mean. I've been saying this for years and people like, you're a crackhead. I'm literally like, think about it, right? Right. Halloween happens. Yes. You know, as soon as you buy those damn bags of Halloween candy, even if it's like a month out, you're fucking in it. (laughs) You're like, I got to have this three musketeers bar like every day. So from Halloween. Yes. To January 1st, yes. or when everyone cleans all the dog shit out of right. their house from the holidays, it's right. a constant barrage of sugar, alcohol, and being yes. around low vibrational frequency people. Because as I don't know how you feel about the holidays, but I don't do them because I don't want to be forced to be in a room with all of my trashy family asking me questions about like, when are you going to have a baby? Why do you do this? Like, that's what when people are you gonna go get through. a real job. Yeah. No shit. And I'm like, uh, this is a real job, bitch. Yeah. But this is what happens. And then it lowers your immune system because you're in a constant state of acidosis. Well, and I think it's, you know, it goes back further than that. I think, you know, not everybody's eating a really like high nutritional value diet. So there's that in the beginning. Um, I always like to tell my patients, you know, 75% of your immune system is in your gut. So if you're going in already compromised and then you pile on that sugar and you pile on the alcohol, which turns into sugar, right? And then you go in and you're, you know, I mean, how much small talk can you make in in one go, you know? Mama no likey small talk. Right. And then then there's no sunshine, right? Most people in the winter don't get a lot of sunshine unless you live in Florida or California. Mm -hmm. So your vitamin D levels are low. That's also influences... And a lot of people don't eat fermented foods or take probiotics, right? So, so like you, you add all those things together and it's just one big soupy mix. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, that's, that's just education really, you know, and it's just about how people understand and see things. They go, I didn't know that, you know, yeah. and you're like, yeah, look at that. Mm-hmm. And then, and then once people get a chance to put it into practice for themselves, then that it's theirs. They own it. They get to, they get to make those beautiful decisions. But what I do see often is that it's it's hard to live a healthy life. I got to be honest. Like it is it's it really takes... easy to be a mediocre bitch. That's what I always tell my clients. <laughs> it is so easy it's to so be a true. mediocre bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's it takes a lot of discipline. It takes discipline and it takes an understanding. You know, I get a lot of people that come in, they'll make all these changes and they're like feel amazing. And then they they slide right back, right? They slide right back because they're like, I feel great. I don't need to do those things anymore. Thinking that it's going to hold. And that's not true. You know, the diligence of, of your well-being requires practice on a daily basis, just the way if you play a musical instrument, right? My dad has been playing the guitar for the better part of, I don't know, 50 years or something like that. Something like that. He practices every single God day. bless him. That's practices amazing. every day. Like he goes for one hour, practices, plays something new, tries a new song, just plays chords, like whatever it is, because he realizes that in the many years of his playing guitar, the way that you stay nimble and capable 
is with practice and I, and in your health is no different, right? Absolutely. And like when you're playing an instrument and you're learning new things every day, that's how you keep young in your mind. It's creating new neural networks and your synapses are firing properly. The other thing too, as I notice when, you know, and listen, I'm no perfect little queen. I like to like do my little bad things too, but I noticed, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the 80-20 rule. It's like 80% of the time be a badass bitch. And then 20% of the time be like a trash eating raccoon. Like that's that's <laughs> called life. You know, like it's ah. life. Because if you said to someone, you can never, ever, 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 ever have sugar again for the rest of your no, life, they no. would be like, fucking just drag me in the street and let me get run over by friggin' taxi no, cabs. You know, like no. there has to be that balance. But it's when it's flip flopped the other way where 80% right. of the time you're a trash eating raccoon. And then right. you're like trying to have some like greens and <laughs> oh, stuff. Oh, I'm going to do dry January. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. But the thing is, you have to say to yourself about dry January is like, why do you feel like you need to be dry in the first place? Like you obviously feel some right. sort of way about alcohol, even if it's on a subconscious level. Right. Like for me, I cannot drink. Yeah. Like I love to have dr- cocktails, yeah. but I notice as soon as I drink the next day, I feel so depressed Yeah, because it's a downer. Yeah. And then I also have severe anxiety attacks where I literally feel like I'm in a tunnel. Like you remember in Willy Wonka when they're in the boat and it's going fast. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like I said, I have to stop drinking and I wasn't a drunk by any means. Like I have even like just a couple glasses of wine uh, socializing. And the next day I would feel horrible, horrible. Same thing with sugar. Yep. I love sugar, but as soon as I eat it, same exact thing. I feel depressed and anxious. Yeah. Or I'm up all night, like I'm sweating, I'm cold, yeah. I'm hot, I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, my, I have to be on point for what I do just like you do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I have to say to myself, okay, bitch, you can have these two glasses of wine, but you're going to feel like a bag of smashed assholes tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Or you can just not just have a soda water and right. shut your fucking mouth. And no one's going right. to ask why you're not drinking anyway. They probably think it's a right. vodka soda, please. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is it does, it doesn't matter. And that, that knowledge that you have is so powerful because at some juncture you get to decide right? At some juncture, you you say to yourself, this just isn't worth it anymore, right? And how you're metabolizing alcohol and how, you know, all of us love sugar. All of us enjoy having cocktails. We all enjoy all the things, right? It's just whether or not you allow that to be the mainstay of your existence. Or if you say like, you know, like I, I fully recognize that alcohol does me no favors either. Like I, you know, but in the summertime, we go out, we have a barbecue, you know, someone is making like a margarita and I'm like, you know what? Absolutely. I'm going to have a margarita. I'm, it's not about deprivation. And, and I, I really do feel like as Americans, we have the largest collective eating disorder of all times. Yep. I really do. Like we as a culture are, are like have this eating disorder where we are constantly trying to control all of our food. Well, yep. I'm eating keto. I'm eating, you know, I'm eating this, I'm eating that. Everything I'm doing has to intermittent be labeled, fasting. Labeled. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, it's like the, you know, so I lived in Europe for a while. And, and the thing that I loved about living in Europe in part was that food was about joy. Food was about pleasure. Food was about connectivity with your family and about culture and about all these beautiful things that came together to nourish who you are. So, you know, like you you look at the Italians and the Spaniards and the French, like, you know, many of them will have like a glass of wine with lunch and they'll also, they will have cheese as a dessert instead of dessert, yes. right? They'll have, they eat all the things. It's not like they cut and, you know, and, and, they're, not and are getting trying black, to, they're not getting blackout at lunch though. 
No. In America, we're trying to get blackout. We're right. going to like a three martini lunch. Like we think we're right. Ted Kennedy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, right. what are we doing? No. I'm Portuguese. Right. And when you go to Portugal, yeah. I never feel sick. I can eat bread. Never. I can yep. eat, drink wine with lunch. I never feel yep. hungover. It's nope. just the way that it, it's yes. the energy around the food. And it's like how we're eating. We're not eating to like, I just got to get a lunch in between because I got to right. go back to work. It's like, I'm gonna no. shove it in my face because I got five minutes. Well, no it's way. also, you know, it's also how our food is, is processed. It's about how our food is, is cooked. It's about, you know, I mean, there's so much that surrounds our food and really, you know, that we only get this short life, right? Like it, it seems like it's going to be really long, but it's, it's really so truncated and short. We want to enjoy the pleasures of life. So, so when I talk to people about making adjustments for food, you know, there's, there's a big difference between sustaining a healthy lifestyle and adjusting your food because of disease or because there's something that you need to fix in that moment. But those adjustments are short lived, just like juicing was like all the fad forever. Well, juicing in Chinese medicine and juicing in East Asian medicine is used because it's medicine. It's not supposed to be long-term, right? Like this, this whole concept of intermittent fasting is so non-supportive to like any women who are menstruating is so non-supportive to women who have gone through menopause, right? Like you look at intermittent fasting and people are doing it because they're counting calories and they want to get skinny, right? But they're not looking at like, what are the adverse effects of that? What's happening to my body with that calorie restriction on a constant and regular basis? And what hormones need to be triggered to have ovulation and have right. your period the right way and all the, I mean, it's insane. Right. And right. I was a huge proponent of fasting and I still think that there's places for it certain times, yeah. but when people are abusing it, as right. a, it's, it's, I right. hate to say it, but like, sometimes it's like just, uh, a, um, and totally accepted anorexia. Right. Well, and, right. It's, it's just, this like accepted you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, there's also, there are times, you know, people are constantly like, I need a detox. I need a detox. And you're like, okay, yes, detox is a really great way to do it, but you don't necessarily need to do detox with calorie restriction. There's a lot of ways to do detoxification. That's really looking at first and foremost, what are we eating? How, how, what do we need to detox? Are we intaking certain chemicals? Are we, you know, detoxing alcohol? Like what is Mm -hmm. it detoxing sugar? Like what is it that we're detoxing and why? And then how do we sustain a much better um, existence so that we're not. And also I just feel like collectively as Americans, we always feel bad about what we're eating. We just are taught that we should just feel bad about eating. ever like and you should also feel bad about how you look and you should also feel bad about being too short or being too tall or being too curvy or being like i mean there's like this this whole weird space where it's like if if we could just you know and i i the thing that always brings it home to me like you know when i have pregnant patients that come in and they're like i just feel so great because i can eat anything i want and it doesn't matter and i'm like no, you know, like, I mean, like, why is it that we have to get permission Ugh. to feel good about what we're eating only if we're, if we're, because we're growing another human or we're going to get big I anyway. Have, and, I have clients know. that just want to be pregnant all the time so that they can, so they can eat whatever they want. permission. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> yeah. me, man. Yeah. Like this yeah. is so, but this is the, this yeah. is like the human condition of women, yeah. especially in this country. And it makes me so sad. And probably yeah. part of the reason why you went into your business is the same as I went into my business. Cause I'm like, dude, there's, there's a better way, man. Yeah. There's, there's better a way. better way. And yeah. we have to like 
it's almost like we were so programmed, especially as Americans, to think a certain way yeah. in the first part of our life. And then the half, the next half is like deprogramming right. all of the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, really, man? Like, this is what we're yeah. going to waste our lives on is having to deprogram, deprogram ourselves. Like, yeah. And you're right. When you do go to Europe, and I've been to all the different countries, and I'm also Portuguese, you go over there, and women are just like, they're eating, you know, yeah. They're eating like fatty, super glutinous yeah. food and they're like yeah. all this big and they're beautiful and their skin is beautiful. glowing and they look yeah. so happy. And yeah. not to mention, I mean, some of these bitches, they smoke butts. Yeah. And I was like, girl, you're like, yeah. I thought that was not cool anymore. Yeah. But like in Europe, it's totally acceptable and no one's yeah. weird and no one says it. No. And they're not like chain smoking all day because they're stressed. They're like, I enjoy a cigarette. With it's about pleasure. Yeah. It's about pleasure. Think about what our lives would look like if we base it off of pleasure and, and we weren't just trying to like, you know, n- feed our bodies to like compensate for pleasure, right? And I think that's the biggest difference. It's like, how do we find pleasure, the things that we eat, the the programs that we watch, the books that we read, the the friends that we surround ourselves by, the jobs that we choose, right? Like if you if you thought about fulfilling all the different aspects of your life and the first thing that you thought was, does this feel good? Right. Like, I mean, and it, it's not to say that because we all know that life is hard and, and not everything is going to be perfect. And it isn't. Right. But we have these small decisions we get to make every day. And how do we make those decisions just to to give ourselves the opportunity to have the good feels instead of being like, I feel like shit, I need another coffee. You know, yeah. like, I mean, I just, you know, that's I guess that would be my takeaway with with all the things that I try, you know, to teach my children and my, my patients is like, you know, I tell my kids all the time, you need to eat fat because it's good for your brain. Amen. And it's good for your body. And it's important yep. for your metabolism. And they're, and you know, if we don't get enough fat, we, we get low blood sugar and we don't feel good. And, you know, mm-hmm. you need to have protein and you need to, you know, like I, I try to say, you know, to my kids without shame, you know, if you, if you want to enjoy this, this piece of food, let's enjoy it together, right? Yes. Like let's, let's do that and, and not be so caught up. And it's only when we're in a state of disease that we need to make those shifts and adjustments, but let's look at how we can create that living space that gives us the opportunity to really live the fullest of our life Amen. and not be constantly compromising. Ugh, so true. So true. Where were you when I was growing up? <laughs> I was just like, people would say like in my family, you gonna, are you really going to eat that? You really right. gonna eat that? And then my right. mom would like eat, you know, Entenmann's cookies because they were fat free, and you could eat the whole fucking box of them because they yeah. had, you yeah. know, like, and no yeah. one knew how things worked. And it's like, right. when you're in a reproductive, when you're in your reproductive years, like, you need fat to like make sure your eggs are healthy and all these things. Yeah. But no one taught us these things. So yeah. thank God for people like you out there that are educating. And I'm so just excited for the girls to listen to this and how can they work with you? How can people work with you? Cause I know you have a lot of exciting things coming up. So people right now, they can work with you in, in person, in your park city. Cause you're in park city. You're actually park city. Yep. My office is in park city. Um, I also do a uh, consultation so I can still do a consultation, a phone consultation or a zoom consultation and really start to dive into people's lifestyles and habits. And we can talk about diet and nutrition and then, and then really to help them find the practitioners in their space and their area that might be a good fit for them um, so that they can get the support that they need 
more in person because you need a little bit of both, right? Of course. In theory and in practice, we need the support system to help us move through. So you can actually Um, do like virtual consultations with them. You can help them with their their herbs and their food and all the things that you talked about today, their spiritual health, energy health. And then if they do want to actually have physical acupuncture and they don't live in your area, you can help them find like a great practitioner. That's awesome. That's great. Yes. And then, and then up and coming some projects I have coming on, I'm working on my own app and putting together some library of information to help people be able to access all these things that I've been collectively working on for the last couple of decades. And and yeah, I know it's super exciting. And I really just want to be able to create a space where people can read information in their own time and give them ideas so that they can start to try to put things into practice um, in their own daily life uh, to keep them well. That's I really the, the idea. I'm excited. So all of the information um, to follow Autumn on her socials and to get a consult with her and join her community will all be in the show notes here, guys. So you could just, once you stop listening, go ahead and scroll down wherever you're consuming this podcast and go into the show notes and you can follow Autumn. I love your Instagram. I love seeing like the kids and what you're doing and like you're, you have a really fun, cool life and most women should aspire to have the cool, fun life that you do and a healthy life too, just in every way, shape and form. Thank you. And I, I really look forward to connecting with your community and, and um, connecting those people in my community with, uh, with those greater people and, 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 and keep this, this good vibes going. I love it. Oh, this, I could talk to you for like 10 freaking years, but we'd all be elderly by that time. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. And for all of you listeners out there, I hope that you enjoyed this amazing conversation as much as I did. Share it with anybody in the world that you think would benefit from this information. And like I always say, see you next Tuesday and don't forget to stay ambitious.